We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Dynasty draft season for rookies, for startups, Mario. And a lot of ADP is still a little bit of the Wild West. And I see some picks being made in these rookie drafts that are head scratchers. But the truth is, I don't know either. So what we're going to talk about today are at least five players that are guaranteed to bust. And what do I mean by bust? Just under-deliver on their expectations. And I guess just any player is always a... Uh, a favorite to underdeliver their expectations. It's hard to overdeliver on expectations. Uh, so, but for the most part, we've put together a, a few players that you really need to tamper expectations on. So, uh, before we get started, the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast by RotoWire is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Right now, the uh, big boards open. You can get a deposit match RWNFL using that code and Circa Sports. They're running an amazing contest, Mario, where you, they'll fly your whole league to Vegas for two days to do your draft with airport service, with limousine. We're going to talk about them a little bit later. That's unbelievable, that prize. All right, Mario. First player I want to talk about is Roshan Johnson, the Texas running back uh, that was the backup to Bijan, and he was drafted in the fourth round by the Chicago Bears. There is a sector of of social media and fantasy analysts that are putting him as late as, like, pick 112 in rookie drafts. I know that you've been lower on him, so what's – What's the the profile, the analysis on Roshan Johnson, and why do you think that he is destined to underdeliver on fantasy managers' expectations? Well, Roshan Johnson was probably a fine pick for the Bears, where they took him, and he's he's definitely a serviceable player. It's not like he's the kind of player who gets cut uh, after the draft, but I do think just the same. He's the kind of prospect who doesn't realistically project for much usage and. With whatever usage he gets, it's, there's not much reason to think he's going to give you much uh, anything better than average efficiency, explosiveness, things like that. So um, I think he's going to be basically a better real-life player than fantasy player. And uh, the reason there's not much, uh, in my opinion, evidence for him emerging as like a, a viable runner uh, from scrimmage in the NFL, it's not just that he was the backup to B. John Robinson. Uh, he didn't stand out from Keontae Ingram before that. Uh, There's some other back that they had on the team that I always forget about who caught a lot of passes the past couple of years, who also looked about as good as, as uh, Roshan Johnson did at Texas. And uh, there's just there's no real precedent for a player like that other than if you want to go back to kind of uh, 1998 with Priest Holmes or something like that. And to be fair, 
those those are pretty that is a fair comparison as far as like where those players were starting from it's like Holmes really was a backup for the whole time at Texas um, but he was also an undrafted free agent and in Kansas City he might have been running behind the best offensive line of all time so a uh, pretty big uh, anomaly to bank your case on I think and you see some of that uh, sort of like hopeful thinking with with Roshan Johnson fans and um I hope he does well too but it's it's just kind of like it, it there's there's no real precedence for a player of his background emerging as much more than um, the category of running back who can produce if he gets an opportunity, you know, he's not, he's, he's going to go on the field and the offense is going to be fine. He's not going to be the reason why the offense sucks or anything like that, but he's just the kind of player who only takes what's there and is very replaceable and is not going to really uh, force the hand of any team that has him to putting him on the field and giving him the ball. Uh, so yeah, basically yeah, I think people were, were kind of assuming like Roshan Johnson, if he, if he had been starting at Texas would have been, you know, whatever, like a, a, 1400 yard rusher or something and it's there's just no evidence for that uh even in a case like you know joe mixon went well ahead of samaje p ryan and p ryan still started ahead of joe mixon at oklahoma so uh it's it's rare uh, exceedingly rare basically unprecedented for a player to play as little as roshan johnson did and that over four years and then not do uh, and then do us anything of a standout sort in the nfl and uh one thing that's really that i think is kind of like a, a an insightful uh, fact to focus in on Deontay Foreman, who he incidentally is competing with for playing time with the bears ran for just 162 fewer yards in one season at Texas than Roshan Johnson did in four years at Texas. And uh, that doesn't mean Johnson's bad, but that's a huge gulf of production. Where do you, I'm, so I, you haven't been in rookie drafts this year. I've been in nine of them. Okay. So in super flex drafts, don't overthink this question. Where do you think, based on you know what I'm telling you, the 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 Roshan Johnson, there's a hive. Where do you think he's actually going in these drafts? Uh, pick what? And again, don't overthink it. First thing that comes to mind. Where do you not where you think he should go? Where do you think he is going? Sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. So it, that's a little rich. He's going in that. I've seen him go sixteenth, but he's going like two five to two twelve. He doesn't make it out of the second round. And where do you believe he should go? I don't have a huge problem with that uh, that tail end of that range because at a certain point everything's permissible. But uh, to me, he's more of a like the thirties overall. All right. Would you take in this is a dynasty setting because this is a real decision that fantasy managers are making. Here's the actionable takeaway: Chase Brown, who I believe you do like, was yeah, taken like in right was taken in the fifth round by the Bengals. Uh, nobody likes Joe Mixon as of right now. Brown projects to be the second running back. So. In a dynasty draft, which one of those guys, Roshan or Chase Brown, given there is a round of draft capital difference? For me, it's easily Brown, uh, just because I, I personally have confidence that he'll push aside Travian Williams and uh, Chris Evans pretty quickly. I think those guys are just kind of special teamers, basically. Uh, and we know Brown can play both as a runner and a pass catcher. So to me, it's easy to imagine Brown getting on the field. It's easy for him to end up in a situation where the Bengals need to kind of call his number. Uh, whereas with the Bears... I mean, it's, it's not just that Roshan Johnson has kind of like skill set uh, prospect trait concerns to me. It's that Foreman and Herbert are definitely better runners than him. So it's probably true that Johnson's better on passing downs than them, but it, it sounds to me like he's a committee back, whereas Chase Brown's the kind of guy who can actually stay on the field when you switch from run to pass personnel. And the other thing with Roshan Johnson is that it's not only a three-headed committee at best; it's actually a four-headed committee. Right, Justin Homer. Fields is well. I'm, and Fields, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, you said Homer. I'm saying Justin Fields takes a lot of the. I mean, is it 
would it be a stretch to say Justin Fields the floor is 450 yards this year for rushing? I mean, it's probably. Oh, good. I mean, I would uh, I would assume his floor is something like 800. Okay, so I'm saying is 400 is yeah. off the table without even like that's an automatic, and it's probably yeah. closer to something. So let's just say somewhere 650 and, yards is. And running quarterbacks like Fields tend to not throw to running backs as much as pocket passers. So I basically see Johnson doing a lot of blitz pickup, almost almost like a a fullback, really. All right. Another interesting player was, is uh, Will Levis. Uh, there's still Will Levis fans out there. He was he fell out of the first round. Now, I'm not considering, for dynasty purposes and how I think about draft capital, Will Levis to be a second-round quarterback because mainly he was, he was the 33rd pick, which this year was the second pick of the second round, but most years that's the first pick of the second round. Rumors were Tennessee was actually trying to trade up into the first round to get him. They couldn't because those two defensive players were on the board for the Eagles and Chiefs. So there's really not a lot of difference other than the contractual stuff with the fifth-year option between, like, I'm just making this up. Pick 20 and pick 35, like as far as what the team thinks of them, because you only get one pick. So one, I guess, is there merit to that, the thinking like he's just a late first round quarterback and early second, it doesn't matter. And does Will Levis have a chance to have fantasy success? Is he worthy of that late first round pick in these super flex rookie drafts? Well, Levis could definitely have fantasy upside, even if he's kind of a not good quarterback in real life terms. Only, though, because he's such a good runner. Uh, he's got the frame to leverage volume as a runner, and he's got you know the wheels to do real damage as a runner, even when you're kind of expecting him to run. So maybe there's some way Levis can kind of turn a corner as a quarterback by leveraging that rushing threat and sort of getting easier defensive looks than he would get at Kentucky. Because at Kentucky, I think he basically struggled. I mean, th- there's people who point to his 2021 season and say, Hey, he was good that year. He only got bad when the Kentucky offensive line turned to crap the next season. But in that one good season, Levis was playing, uh, I think he must have turned uh, 20. He was 22 in the June before that season, which is an age where most quarterback prospects of, of note are already in an NFL camp. And in at that age, he depended on Wandale Robinson, a slot receiver, for more than 46% of his passing yardage. And I know it's kind of hard to um, immediately – you know, have a context in mind for what that means, what that number means. But I can assure you, it's really high. I can't remember seeing it any other. It's like maybe DJ Moore, his uh, last season at Maryland, had had some kind of share like that. Um, but that's ju- that's alarming to me because DJ Moore was playing that season with a, a converted linebacker as his fourth quarterback, uh, which is why the offense was reduced to the simplicity of throwing to DJ Moore pretty much every time. And I thought, I, I think Kentucky was really doing something similar. Like, hey, just get it to Wandale. Don't think too much, Levis. Just throw it at Wandale. Let him run. And it worked, but it's not good that that's the best idea that they could think of with him. So um, I think there's there's a clear amount of upside with Levis. I don't know what to make of the floor, though. And I personally don't see any way to grade him better as a prospect than I would Malik Willis, even as bad as it went for Willis. Uh, that, that kind of hindsight could quickly come into play for Levis if he looks bad, uh, you know, coming off the bench in this season. So... They're clearly they're going to probably have some amount of favoritism toward Levis relative to Willis, both because they paid more to get Levis and because they've already kind of you know become disenchanted with Willis. But I, I don't know if we can totally write off Willis as far as you know him being a pain for Levis's interests. Yeah, Willis to me again. I'm just projecting here a little bit, but it seems like at this point and things could change that he is probably on the. 
you know, Tyler Huntley, uh, peak Tyrod Taylor track where he's a oh, good yeah. at best. Yeah, yeah probably at not best. Even that. Like the backup quarterback that can come in for a game, give you some rushing spark. Like in seasonal leagues, he'll be a hot, you know, Willis will be a good pickup if you need a, if you're in QB hell in like week eight, just for, you know, for the upside alone. And obviously if he ever gets uh, some, some starts, uh, there's going to be some rushing upside, but yeah, long-term. So Levis seems to be, um, so what would you, if, if 10 is guaranteed the bust and one is, no way he's ever busting. He's Trevor Lawrence. Where's the bust risk with Will Levis as you see it today for fantasy football? Yeah, so uh, the rate is probably objectively high for all of them. It's not easy for the NFL or anybody to pick quarterbacks. But, but for me, Levis is like eight. For Oh, so he's a hot – even for fantasy, you're saying? That's yeah, I'm worried that he's not going to play that much uh, basically because – so if he had been a first-round pick, then – there would have been a lot more league interests in front offices and coaching trees and seeing him succeed. And I think uh, like we saw it with Willis already, him being a third rounder made it easy for the team to kind of be like, ah, we're bored with this guy. Let's, <laughs> let's try something else. Uh, if they paid more to get him, they'd have less choice to feel that way, you know? So I'm, I'm I, I think he's going to probably get more favoritism than Willis did. I just don't know if it's going to amount to much because quarterbacks of this prospect type get thrown away pretty quickly and, and we kind of just forget about them sometimes all right if you're in the chat let us know will will uh will levis bust for fantasy football uh we'll define a bust as he never strings together more than like five to ten starts and it, it, it could be bortles i guess i should concede like best best case maybe bortles all right, so let us know in the chat if you think Will Levis will bust. Mario believes it's a high bust risk. Um, I, you know, in the beginning of our conversation about him, I said that I'm not drawing that distinction between first and second round, but you're right. In the eyes of the front office, it's easier for them to discard a second-round quarterback and just say, okay, this guy's Drew Locke, this guy's Paxton Lynch or whatever. And then, you know, you ha- then if he was a late first-rounder, those guys get opportunities over opportunities. Just um, quickly, of all the first-round quarterbacks, I don't want to go too deep into this because we like them all. for We like their chances for fantasy football. But of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, which one of those three you think has the high – not the highest four, but the high, the I guess really the lowest four. Which one is the most likely to bust for fantasy and basically in two and a half years from now – basically be Carson Wentz or Jameis Winston, how we think of them right now? Well, I think Richardson kind of objectively has the lowest floor, but I feel like it's, um, I don't know how to say this. I feel like the floor will quickly be established on the basis of the fact that he's still very young and has all these tools to work with. And even if the floor were the lowest, I still rank him easily the first because he's just got such insane upside to me. Uh, I, I know this doesn't make much sense, but even though Bryce Young has the highest floor, I think he's also the most likely one to be called a bust because he's got so much higher expectations as being like the first pick and hyped up. And you, you hear all this stuff about what a great passer he is. And I don't know if he can be a volume passer in the NFL. I feel like he can only be a selective like Russell Wilson basically uh, kind of turns into a train wreck when you make him throw more than 30 times in a game. And if you make him throw too much outside of play action, And the reason primarily, in my opinion, for that is that it's just impossible to see the middle of the field when you're a five foot 10 quarterback. These linemen can be six, six. The guards now even are sometimes six, six or more. So you physically cannot see that part of the field. And even if you could tell from the parts of the, the rest of the field where what's likely in that space, you can't see, you can't get a throwing lane necessarily. So 
it, it's not a processing issue necessarily with these guys, but if you're a short quarterback like that, you have to be able to threaten the defense and other parts of the field than the middle, I feel like. And I think Kyler Murray hits that box because he can run to the corner and he can, he's got the arm to throw deep. With Bryce Young, and, and Murray can throw with velocity too, Young has seemingly really great accuracy and maybe even, let's say, flawless processing. Let's, let's say he's just absolutely always correct about what he sees on the field. He has to be something like that just to be as good as these other guys because he's working with fewer tools in the first place. He has to sort of transcend in other areas just to keep up because these other guys play on a lower difficulty level. But what I worry about with Young is that while he'll, he'll do the probably the best he could do in a situation, he's if you make him throw more than 35 times a game, he's eventually going to have to start tapping into the middle of the field because defenses are going to sit on the boundaries. They're going to sit deep. And he doesn't have the throwing velocity to cut through tight windows. Like he needs, he needs space created. And, and when he has space, he has great accuracy to exploit it. But what I'm worried about in the NFL is Bryce Young having great accuracy, having perfect processing, and just having nowhere to physically throw the ball through. And uh, so, yeah, I'm worried about that. Whereas like Stroud could be a bus. He's, he's by all accounts, not as polished as Bryce Young. It seems like no one is, but I don't, I, I don't worry as much about Stroud doing everything right within his power and still failing. And I worry about that with young. I'm going to give you an impossible question. I want you to give me a one word answer based on the analysis you just gave. So I'm telling you, so I don't, you have three seconds to answer me and it's only allowed one word, Mario. You're in a dynasty league. You're in a super flex league. It's time to draft either Bryce young or CJ Stroud. The clock is rolling down dynasty league. Three, two, one pick Stroud. <laughs> that sounded minimal confidence. All right, so Bryce I, Young. I would take Young and try to trade him. I think for for maybe Stroud plus. I don't know. Okay, well, right now Bryce Young is going one pick in ADP ahead of CJ Stroud, and the reason is uh, is uh, that in my judgment is because the one point one in the NFL draft. I mean, all first-round picks, especially top five picks, are super insulated. I mean, these guys are going to get multiple years to fail. But there's something about the 1.1 that has a little extra layer of insulation on it. Think about how many chances Sam Bradford got. How many times was he traded for first-round picks over and over again? Even Jameis Winston, they tolerated uh, you know, all the, the turnovers. So the 1.1. And also, I think the, the perception, whether it's true or not, is that the Carolina has better year-one weapons than the Houston Texans. So, and again, I don't know if that's true, but that is the perception. You see the names like Adam Thiel and DJ Shark. Um, you know you have Jonathan Mingo, Terrace Marshall. It's it, when you when you look over to the other side, you see Robert Woods. People immediately want to throw up Mario. I guess uh, I just I personally find Thielen to be. I thought he was great at his peak, but I think he's well yeah. past it now. And uh, DJ Shark is. I like him a lot, but he's he's not durable. Um, I, I will admit. DJ Shark is a perfect stylistic fit for Young because Shark's so good at getting to the corner. Uh, and, and, you know, running on the sideline. But I think Houston, their offensive line, I would probably say is better. I know Carolina's is on the upswing too, but yeah. uh, I think Houston's situation is just as good. And uh, man, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of either coaching staff for sure, but I, I'd rather at this point, you know, hindsight, I guess is making it easier. I'd rather cast my uh, fortunes with D'Amico Ryans rather than Frank Reich. That's a fair assessment. And we're talking about, Five, the five players, the rookies that are most likely to bust in your dynasty league. If you enjoy videos like this, consider hitting the like button. Uh, lets us know that you're out there and that you enjoy the videos. Mario, 
Uh, the next player I want to talk about that. Oh, you know what? Just one last closing argument on Will Levis here. So Will Levis is going ahead of Zay Flowers in Superflex rookie leagues. In rookie, so given that you're projecting Will Levis, uh, not a great chance to bust. I mean, Zay Flowers. Say what you want about the situation. I know that you didn't like that he went ahead of Jordan Addison in the, in the real draft, but with Todd Monk in there, I mean, he's he's going to get. He almost can't fail Zay Flowers. Where of course he could, uh, but. Is who would you take if you were on the clock right there and you're you know you don't need a position you just need a good player Zay Flowers with his first round draft capital or everything you said about Levis in a super flex? Well, if I don't need a quarterback, uh, I guess I'd go Flowers. But yeah, that's that's kind of like the um, both the the good and the bad part of super flex and two quarterback leagues is it's like sometimes you got a chance to take a a quarterback you hate and. It, it's kind of like objectively a bad deal, and yet you sometimes should do it anyway. And uh, that that might be one of those cases with Levis, especially because he does have the rushing upside. So that that kind of that that loophole there being a way to like create fantasy value as long as he has playing time. It, it's it's a little different than if he were a pocket passer who uh, also had you know these concerns that he has. All right, let's let's move down the board a little bit. Everybody wants to know about uh, what's going on with the Seattle Seahawks running backs. Zach Charbonnet was probably the consensus running back three before the draft. Was he your three? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like so, him a lot. Okay, so this situation that he's in, I know it's hard to tell. We're not we're gonna ignore everything Pete Carroll said, but the second round draft capital is very powerful, Mario. So. Zach Charbonnet right now is going still in the first round of rookie drafts. He's going pick 11. Sometimes he drips to like 2.1, and that's obviously because of the landing spot. So what's your confidence level now in his bus rate? Is he someone that um, you're still going to be proactively drafting? Parse it out for us with Kenneth Walker. Well, it's it's going to take uh, – I know it takes a leap of faith for people to to see this as a possibility, given that it hasn't happened in a while – but it wasn't that long ago that in the NFL you'd see backfields with two running backs going over a thousand yards and uh, sometimes more than that. And uh, I think it's just as simple as Seattle is going to try to do that too. Like they're going, to, they mean to run the ball uh, more than anyone and better than anyone. And I think they're going to give the ball to both Walker and Charbonnet. And Walker, I think, remains the starter, which makes a lot of sense because he's uh, obviously very good as a pure runner. And if if um if there's anything Charbonnet has on Walker, it's probably passing down stuff. So I think uh, with Walker being surprisingly small, like he's, he was only listed at 211 at the combine, and uh, that's not normally a weight where you want to give a guy 20 plus carries a game. So it might actually help Walker's uh, you know longevity, explosiveness to keep him more in uh, like 16 to 18 carries per game than 25. And Charbonnet comes in probably gives them 12 to 15 himself while. You know, I I don't want to say Walker won't play many passing downs. I think they'll 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 be like surprisingly close to a split on passing downs. I think, but Charbonnet will probably just do more with those snaps and probably get more targets out of those snaps th- than Walker. So, uh, but Charbonnet, man, it's kind of frustrating because I, I think it's great. You know, great call by the Seahawks. I think it's going to work out well for them. But if talk, talk into that mic, Matt. We need, sorry, we need to sorry. hear that voice. Here. If uh, if 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 Charbonnet had been selected by another team, though, like let's say the Bengals, if they had whatever cut Mixon, I'd say like, oh, that's a top ten fantasy back right now. With Kenneth Walker there, it's it's just not negotiable. He'll kind of be 
stuck as like a flex consideration. And, and if the Seahawks just torch on offense and there's a lot of touchdowns to go around, maybe they could both be in the top 25. But as it stands, I think Charbonnet is just going to be like an overqualified player uh, and, and uh, a great real life asset for the Seahawks, but, but one that kind of needs Walker to miss time to get anywhere near the potential that he would have had on another team. You know, Ken Walker is perceived as a player that just doesn't catch passes. I don't think that's correct. But without looking, Mario, and you probably already know this, but this is for the audience. So the audience, I want you to think about this while I'm asking Mario. How many receptions did Ken Walker have last year? Remember, he didn't even really start get full-time playing time until like week four or five, maybe even six. So Mario, spew it out. How many receptions in last season for Walker? 31. Yeah, you're right on target. It's 27. So oh. if you extrapolate that over a full workload, let's just say Charbonnet wasn't there. I mean, he's a 50, he, 50 receptions is in play. So now with Charbonnet there, they're both, what do you project him for? Is it 35 again, or can he still get to like 45, 50? I'm talking yeah, about I Walker, we, of course. Walker. I guess it's pending another detail too with what they do with the snaps that used to go to DJ Dallas that might or might not go to Dallas or McIntosh, uh, Kenny McIntosh, the one they took in the sixth round or whatever. McIntosh is a really good pass catcher. I'm just wondering if it's if there's a possibility on the table where they just delete DJ Dallas's role entirely and just split all of the backfield pretty much between Charbonnet and Walker. Because if they do that, uh, D- I mean, DJ Dallas kind of sapped a surprising number of routes and targets over the past few years. And so if, if you had deleted DJ Dallas and, uh, you know, had – had uh, just Walker take the snaps last year. It might have been even more like 40, 45 catches or something like that. So there might be a way, in other words, for Charbonnet. If they don't give McIntosh DJ Dallas's playing time and they give Charbonnet DJ Dallas's playing time, then I think it could be on the table where Charbonnet catches like 40 and Walker basically has uh, you know the same total as last year or something like that. All right, before we go on, everybody, before we go into it, we're going to talk about Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt next, which Mario believes uh, there's some serious bus risk there. Of course, he's the Tennessee wide receiver that went in the – did he go in the second round or third round to the Giants? Out of the third. Okay, all right. But before that, surprising, Mario, let's yeah. – Yeah, that was surprising because he had some first-round buzz around him. Um, let's talk about Circa Sports. Now, uh, Mario, the Rotowire trip every year is to the Circa Sports Hotel in Las Vegas. And let me tell you, just from my personal experience, this place is – off the chain if you're into sports or sports betting but they're running a contest and so if you play in fantasy leagues i know this is a commercial but this is the best contest i have seen in a long time and we're offering it right here here it is the ultimate fantasy football draft can take place only in las vegas mario circa resort and casino wants to bring your whole league to vegas with for the ultimate draft experience giveaway that means they're going to bring your 12 person league for a two-night stay at circa complete with a cabana by the pool, limo transportation to and from the airport, a welcome party, a booth at the largest sports book, and a prize package that's valued over 8000 bucks. Mario, there's no better place to draft than Circa. 21 and up. Go to CircaLasVegas.com for more information. The ultimate fantasy football draft can only take place in Vegas, and they're giving it to you at Circa. So go to CircaLasVegas.com. I mean, Mario, I know you don't like to travel too much, but you have to admit, this is one of the best prizes that most people should be like thumbing each other, pushing each other out of the way to try to claim. Well, yeah, and as it were, as it were, I only really travel to Las Vegas the few times that I do. So uh, the 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 things you described would would be a reason for me to finally get up off uh, the couch and go someplace else. 
Can you imagine, though, like you're with 12 of your buddies from college or high school or just the office league, and all of a sudden you're getting a two-day trip paid to Vegas and doing your draft and the limo serve? I mean, it, it, I, I might not come back alive. I'm just saying, you know? So anyway. Well, let's try to. <laughs> all right, man. And by the way, the Rotowire trip this year, are you going to go? We're going to Vegas again, or are you going to sit this one out? I'm probably going to be too washed up again. I'm going to try it, I think, next year, but I, okay. I, got, I just got a lot of I, homework. I understand, Mario. I understand. Selfishly, I just want to see you. That's why I wanted you to come. I want to see you too, Alan. Uh, right. Maybe maybe we can get you to, to east side of Madison one of these yeah. days. All right, everybody. We're continuing with the five players that Mario thinks have serious bus risk. Of course, he's always open to it could go the other way. But for good reason, I want to talk about Jalen Hyatt, the rookie wide receiver that the Giants took right after the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. YouTube audience didn't have to suffer through that break, but thanks for the audio audience for staying with us. We're talking about Jalen Hyatt, the uh, rookie wide receiver out of Tennessee. Had some first-round buzz, Mario. Uh, I guess, why did he fall to the third round? And also, why are you projecting him to disappoint fantasy managers? Well, he, like you said, had a lot of first-round buzz, like very consistently, very early on. And I, I feel like even as recently as a couple weeks before the draft, there was... Some national reporter, I can't remember who, who was, you know, got got uh, tricked by one of those source reports. Hi, it's going to go higher than you think and uh, went much lower than anyone thought, as it were. So uh, I look at a pick like this. 73rd is where he fell to. So it's, it's not even like that early in the third round. 73rd, he falls to. And 
the Giants, of course, have a need, uh, or maybe not an urgent need at receiver after they made a couple signings and stuff, but uh, they could do better at receiver and specifically the outside spot. And uh, Darius Slayton, he's been good, but they probably have ambitions for something better than that. So Hyatt was this guy who, you know, if, if you're a GM or, or front office person or whatever, it's easy to spin a pick like this to the media as like a really good value because he was projected to go so high and uh, a little bit extra nudged for them to uh, consider it because he specifically is a fast guy who can run from the, the boundary position. But uh, I think they're, they're just, it's just going to be a case where they, they took the falling player because they thought it was kind of just the thing that they were supposed to do based on the consensus board. And I think if they tried to reason why he was ever valued that high in the first place, they wouldn't really be able to think of good reasons. And specifically a guy like Trey Palmer, the Nebraska one who the, the Buccaneers took in the sixth round or whatever, that guy is the same thing as Jalen Hyatt and Jalen Hyatt was being hyped as a first round pick while Palmer was like projected as almost undrafted or something. The reason why I say they're the same player is because Hyatt, or as of right now, anyway, they're the same player. Uh, maybe Hyatt can turn into something else with time, but Right now, he can only really run or he only really ran at Tennessee uh, while facing no press coverage, while facing disheveled defenses in general. Like the Tennessee scheme was just murdering defenses and they couldn't do a thing about it. They were just drowning out there. So Hyatt's playing in the easiest situation possible, uh, oftentimes running from the slot, which he's not going to be able to keep running from. He's going to have to move outside where he's going to get more press coverage. And so we basically don't know how he's going to deal with the press at all, even if he can deal with the press. Uh there's reason to believe he's not going to create much or might not create much separation as a route runner from the outside because at Tennessee, he basically took screens and he ran like posts and go routes. So it's, it's basically, it was a track meet for Hyatt at Tennessee. It wasn't really football that he was playing. And uh, the times that he, other than last year, he, he didn't produce. So there were two seasons that he played before last year and he didn't produce. So I feel like Hyatt is shaping up to be the kind of NFL player who um, I wish I could think of a decent comp before I was thinking like Ted Ginn. And honestly, now I think that was way too high of a comp. Uh, I think he he could be a guy who p- just gets stuck in like a 20 snap kind of like a Anthony Schwartz kind of thing, something like that. And I mean, that's uh, bad. Schwartz is a complete bust. Yeah. And Schwartz, in my opinion, uh, is, is actually further was further along as a prospect uh, for his age than Hyatt was because Schwartz was extremely young at least. But uh, yeah, Hyatt also a little bit, it's, it's probably worth mentioning, ran a little bit slower than he was supposed to even. So he was billed as kind of like a low 4-3, maybe even a 4-2 speed guy. And he ran a 4-4 at a skinny weight. So uh, I think Hyatt's the kind of guy who just is going to struggle to earn snaps. He'll probably get forced on the field at some point when they're just kind of like desperate for someone to make a play. Uh but yeah, even a guy like your your guy Danny Gray. It's like I don't I don't yeah. see any reason that Danny Gray would be a worse prospect than Hyatt. So uh, with Danny Gray not working out so much, um, I want to apologize to the audience. I had uh, Jalen Hyatt's name spelt incorrectly. So right, this is how it's spelled right here. But uh, yeah, so uh, the and also it doesn't help that his quarterback is Daniel Jones. So uh, <laughs> I think I think Slayton's just straight up better. And it's like even if Slayton misses time, gets benched, whatever. I just think Hyatt's. Um, He's in the wrong place for a player like him, even if he's good. All right. The comps that I'm seeing for Jalen Hyatt, that um, Deami Brown, is that fair? Yeah, that is. That's probably fair. But I will say Deami Brown did a lot more like deep ball tracking. He wasn't so much um, catching the ball in like open space and, and being wide open all the time. But as far as the parts of the field and the body type and the athleticism, that's a pretty fair comp, actually. And, and the other one was Daenerys Moore. You remember that name? 
Yeah, uh, I feel like Daenerys must have had about 25 pounds, or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but... uh... But Daenerys those are had that one year with the Raiders. I, I, I guess um, Hayek is capable of that kind of blip. It, of what I'm saying is that those guys are. You were searching for a comp. At least those guys are in the. You know, yeah, totally. you, you could pull pe- Franken pieces of them each and figure out. Okay, all right. So we talked about uh, Jalen Hyatt. What I, I mean, I hate to use this term because this is such a crutch, but better in best ball, he'll have a few weeks. Yeah, and he does have that uh, ability to. Because he's in theory like a long range big play receiver, he wouldn't need as many snaps to uh, have the possibility of producing as some other guys who maybe need snaps uh, to pile up the stats. But uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to deal with him in redraft. All right. So I'm going to throw some second round wide receiver names at you here. And I want you to tell me which one of them for fantasy football has the biggest chance to bust. Now, this is not just taking into what you thought about them in college. Remember, some of these guys landed in good situations, some of them not. So I'm going to throw three or four names out there, and then we're going to focus on the one that you want, that you think is a stay away, because all of these guys right now, Mario, are going in the second round of rookie drafts. I'll say it slow. So you got Marvin Mims, who went to Denver. You have um, uh, Jaden Reed, who went to the Packers. Uh, Rashi Rice, who went to uh, the the Chiefs, and then Jonathan Mingo, who went to Carolina, is which one of these players, if you were, if they were all available to you, would be the least, like the one you're just crossing off, you're not even considering when you have all these other guys available to you. I don't hate him or anything, but I'll cross off Mingo. I just okay, don't think- that stop there. I figured you're going to say that. Now, don't include Mingo, the other ones, and I'll just repeat them very quickly. Is Marvin Mims Reed? And Rice. The next one to eliminate? Yeah. Okay. I'll eliminate Jaden Reed next. Okay. Because well, he's a he's a riser because of where he I landed. like him, too. It's a, but, I like the other two a lot is the thing. Okay. So talk about Reed first, though. What What's the case for him not to reach his fantasy upside? To not reach his fantasy upside? So he's a little bit skinny. Um, I think it's going to be fine. But uh, he's, he's a little bit skinny, which might limit his... Um, his in traffic ability a little bit. He's good after the catch. I know he had some, he had some punt returns that went a long way too. So he can probably run after the catch. Uh, But at five eleven one eighty eight, his four, four, five is more like just good enough than truly good. And uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of, he kind of trailed off once he transferred to Michigan state too. Like he was, he was, he torched as a true freshman at Western Michigan way back in the day and then transferred to Michigan state and uh, at Michigan State, he struggled to uh, routinely outplay guys like uh, Jalen Naylor and uh, was it Keon Coleman or whatever. Uh, so those two receivers are pretty good. It's not it's not like a it's not any kind of real concern to me that Reed didn't outproduce those guys. But the fact that he didn't makes me think that Reed is kind of ideally like a wide receiver three. I think he's like a wide receiver three who can line up either in the slot or outside. And I think if you need to lean on him for more than that, it might it might kind of overexpose him. All right. The next bust player I want to talk about is Nathaniel Dell. Tank Dell. He went in the third round, Mario, or the second round to the Houston Texans. Okay. To the Houston Texans. Um, You know, the obvious is that he's a smaller receiver, five foot eight, about 165 pounds. But if I tell one, I want to hear why you believe he's not going to have success in the NFL, but also I want you to know he's going in the fourth round of rookie drafts. Does that change? Pretty low price. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with them there. Right. Because uh, you're, you're kind of, you know, at risk of picking up some kind of trash w- one way or another. Uh, but Dell can do a few things for sure. The question is, 
whether he has kind of like the body type and athletic traits for his otherwise, you know, clearly skilled abilities to, to show up on the field. Like you can, you can be the best route runner in the world, basically. But if you run, you know, a six foot, uh, sorry, six second 40, you, you need to, you got to stick to the flag football recreational leagues. It's not going to matter. So uh, Dell can be like insanely gifted technique wise as a route runner. He can be incredibly elusive, but I think what you'll find with a guy like him, who uh, ran a four, four, nine at one sixty three, that kind of guy can kind of make a jump in level of competition to the NFL. And just all of a sudden just seem like he's getting caught all the time more. Like he still looks quick. He still looks like he's juking everybody, but it's just people seem to just swarm into the frame much more. So I think tank Dell is going to be one of those guys. And specifically I'm kind of fixating on the one sixty three at five, eight. That's, that's really bad. If you're, if you want me to believe in a five foot eight, one sixty three receiver, I want that guy running like I want him to be Tyreek Hill fast, you know, and in, in more realistically, more reasonably. I still need him to run something like a four three five, and I need his age adjusted production to be clearly good. Uh, Tank Dell's age adjusted production at Houston is not very good, actually. He uh, he first was uh, at Alabama or Florida A and M. I can't remember which one, either Alabama or Florida A and M for his freshman year. And he was actually surprisingly productive, but he also turned 19 in that season. So you would expect a guy at the FCS level who has NFL talent to start showing up at that age. And then he transferred to Houston where uh, at uh, he must've been 21 at the time, something like that. An age where you want a pro prospect at receiver to really take over an offense. He was actually outproduced a little bit by Marcus Stevenson, who uh, the bills took in the sixth round or something a couple of years ago. And he hasn't really done anything. So if I, if, if Dell is at the age that he was, and he's not re- just soundly outproducing a player like Stevenson, that's a concern to me about his skill set. And I think he just, I think he's a Jakeem Grant type, like maybe a little better as a receiver than Jakeem Grant. Cause I, Dell does know how to run routes. I just think he's going to look he's going to look good and never get anywhere. Question for you here though. Nathaniel Dell, man, uh almost 30 touchdowns the last 2 years, 17 in 2022. How does a guy this size find the end zone? Is he a run after the catch player or is he just one of those guys that can find the open spots in the end zone? Well, he could get open deep in the way that Deontay Johnson can, but it's like he needs to get you know six targets underneath and then get a double move basically because he's not he's not winning any races straight up you know he, he can't he can't tell the db before the snap like i'm running a go route and still beat him like some guys can uh dell needs to work underneath land a lot of jabs and hopefully he can get the defense to bite and you know get get a step on them that way uh the way johnson does occasionally uh but not enough ultimately so uh i think I think Dell is, is again, he's, he's quite skilled as a football player. Like he's, he's not a guy that you like to see get the football when you're a defense, but whereas in the college at the college level, when he would get the ball, he'd have all this room to run. He'd have all these players who, you know, were of a certain level of athleticism well below what the NFL will pose to him next. I think these, these highlight real plays, which is he's, he's one of those highlight players too. It's like, he's one of those guys that, that people who just kind of like watch highlights love and I, I guess that includes CJ Stroud because he apparently requested the pick. Uh, I don't know if that's why the Texans made the pick, but apparently Stroud advocated can't hurt. for it. Can't hurt. It can't hurt. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think they're going to give him a shot and I think they're just going to like kind of a, maybe a better Isaiah McKenzie, but I think Isaiah McKenzie's totally useless more than 20 snaps a game. So uh, that's still not great in my mind. And the name tank, I mean, come on, man. It's like, you know, he's five foot eight. They call him tank. It's like when they call, uh, you know, like they call a fat guy slim. 
sometimes. Tiny. Yeah, or tiny, right? Something like yeah. that. That's that's what it strikes me up. I just want to remind everyone right now that all of Mario's work can be found on Rotowire. You can get a free sample right now of Rotowire, all his dynasty rankings, premium articles. He did this great article. I don't believe it's behind the paywall, but it's he ranked all of the undrafted free agents, which I think is very useful as you get into your rookie draft. Also got a top 65 posted. There you go. Um, top 65 rookies. Yes, yes. Yep. So right now, if you want to go and check all of that out, you can so for free. You can just use the code that uh, it's rotowire.com forward slash pod. Rotowire.com forward slash pod. And what happens, you just put in your email and the entire Rotowire paywall unlocks. There's no like credit card to put in and it just lapses after two days. And if you want to subscribe, you can. If not, there's nothing to do. So I would take advantage of that. Look at If you're in your Dynasty rookie drafts, check out everything Mario has right now over at Rotowire. We're talking about fantasy busts. I'm Alan Sislowski of rotowire.com. You can follow me at Alan Sislowski on Twitter. And then, Mario, your updated Twitter handle is The Posting Scout, right? That's what we're going with yes. nowadays. So yes. follow Mario. Everybody already does, like I do. And you can get all our links in the video description below. All right. If you're enjoying videos like this, remember, uh, hit the like button, help us out there. And as we're t- continuing to talk about uh, busts, Bust that players that are almost sure or or most likely to uh, fail on fantasy managers' expectations. There's a strong Tajay Spears sentiment out there. Uh, Tajay Spears, uh, uh, Tulane, good pass catcher, uh, gets drafted into what I think is a good situation uh, in in the third round. Yeah, he was a third rounder to uh, to, uh, the Tennessee Titans. Seems to complement what Derrick Henry does well. Um, is it the injuries? Why do you believe that Tajay Spears is not going to deliver on the high expectations of fantasy managers this year and for our dynasty leagues? Well, I think Spears is just caught in the difficult category of a player who is better as a runner uh, than he is a pass catcher, and he's both small and not fast. And I know he's explosive. I know he had the good jumps uh, at the combine. His uh, vertical and broad jump were both very good. But when you're 201 pounds... Uh, you got to do better than running a four five four pro day forty at five ten two zero one. So that's a, I'd actually rather he be five eight two zero one than five ten. Hey, Mario, I'm showing a four five nine at the pro day. Is that possible? Or is that my information? So well? that might be an automatic. Uh, some people who keep uh, records of these add a certain amount of time to the pro days automatically. So I I I don't have any. Um, I don't push back against it if somebody says one or four five nine. It's like. Teams could very well have listed it exactly as that, uh, even though it was officially timed at four five four. So what uh, you're saying is they don't trust the pro day as much as they do the combine, so they just add whatever they see as the differences over time. Usually, objectively, the- almost all pro day tracks are more favorable. Like even if they get the uh, timing done in an electronic, objective way, the tracks are often made out of different materials. Some some pro days are held outside. I guess I I should have checked to make sure Spears wasn't. Because sometimes, very rarely, you'll get a pro day where they ran outside and it was like windy and rainy and it kind of screwed up the numbers. Uh, but also, uh, it's very rare that a pro day track runs on grass. It's usually on, at worst, turf. And some, like Ohio State, Wisconsin, some other schools, they have rubber tracks, which are really, really fast. And they, they add, uh, they cut off even more than a tenth of a second sometimes, like Quintus Cephas. That's, that's the Wisconsin track cutting off 0.14 or whatever. I don't know how fast the two-lane track is. But it, it would it's it's almost inconceivable that he would have run faster than a four five four at the combine, and more likely it would have been a little closer to four six. So that's that's normally fine. I, I know people love to counter with cases like, well, this guy ran a four six, and this guy ran a four six. A, 
Uh, who are those? those, are, those wait, the, the, who are those like straw man arguments? Like, who are they? Who's their best case that they're pointing to that ran a four six and had success? Oh God, I don't know. I don't actually. Actually, this is something that more like occurs all the time with all prospects. Like people push back, just kind of. They have like a, a book of like a flow chart rather of just like if you want to defend <laughs> some prospect, just just go through the flow chart. And say, well, some, this guy ran a four six two, whatever. Uh, but it's it's just not good to be skinny and not fast. Like if you if you got a skinny running back, you want them to at least be be fast. Devin A chain. You want them to be A chain. Devin A chain, yeah. yeah. And so uh, and it, by the way, at let's see, so at 5'10-201, that's not that much better of a body mass index either than 5'8, 188, like a chain. So well it's it's a 20 uh let's see, Spears' BMI is a, is almost 29. It's 28.8. And you want to compare him with A chain. Whose body mass? Yeah, right. Sorry, I got. I thought he was five eight. He's five nine, probably. Yeah. Whose whose BMI is slightly lower? It's twenty seven point eight. So yeah, it's uh, clearly Spears has the uh, yeah more Slight. dense build, but it's just when when he's only slightly more dense than a chain, and a chain runs. By the way, a chain might not have been a hundred percent when he ran his four three two combine time. So uh, even if he even if you ran that four three two at that less than one hundred percent on the Tulane track, it more likely would have been like four two seven or four two six or something like that. Jeez. So. Um, I, and, and to be clear, one thing I, I want to be super clear on with Spears and, and uh, I guess I could address like what, what I talk about, what the way I look at these players in general is I kind of try to guess a skill set component and then the athletic tools component and Spears has the skills for sure. I mean, that's, that's what you see in the highlights is like, he's, when he has a football, he's a very difficult person to catch, but getting him in those situations in the NFL might be a little more difficult and he's, he's, his tools not grading very well means that the jump in competition is most likely to hurt a player like him. When guys get faster, it's the least fast ones who get to pay the highest price for that. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have a frame to turn into volume either. Like he needs to make big plays. Ty J Spears does. He's not going to have volume on the table with a build like his. So it's, it's, I think a narrow path and one that's got limited upside, even if he does walk it. And it's the exact same thing with Devin, a chain. I just think there's more reason to believe he can actually walk that narrow path. All right, before we round out the podcast, I want to let everybody know that the big board on Underdog Fantasy is open. If you listen to any fantasy football podcast, everybody's talking about Underdog. You want to go there to play your best ball. Right now, you can get your deposit doubled. RWNFL, RW, Rotowire, NFL will double your deposit. Go there, support them. I mean, it's my favorite. I do at least three drafts a week. We're going to start live streaming those. Mario, you and I should do a live stream underdog draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that'll be fun. I like always like hearing your, your feedback as the draft's going along. All right. We've covered our bust. Is there anyone else just quickly that I, that you just want a lightning round, just buyer beware on before I move on. Cause I have a couple other topics I want to talk to you about here. Uh, not because I was trying to meet the five minimum. I listed ah. Trey Tucker, but no one, no one bought that pick yeah. anyway. Every, everyone looked at that and laughed at the Raiders. So I All guess right. we don't need to pile on. So, Buyer beware on all the players we talked about today. If you have any questions about them or anything we didn't cover, you can you know tweet at Mario, leave a comment on the YouTube video. I answer all those personally, and if there's anything that's directed at Mario, I'll let him answer it and send it over. Uh, just a couple other things. So right off, if, Dynasty rankings, Bijan Robinson is RB1 in Dynasty. Are we good with that? Yeah. Okay. I'm not talking about rookie. I'm talking about total pool. Oh, in Dynasty, uh, I mean, it's permissible. I, I wouldn't rank him that high myself, but Who'd if you someone have? did, I wouldn't push against it. In your rankings, who's going to be RB1 in your Dynasty startup? Taylor, Brees Hall? Pro- probably Taylor. 
I just don't, I don't know. I don't know why uh, a lot of people seem to think he's like busted or something. And it's like, he, he came back from a normal ankle sprain too fast. Yeah. We're not, you know, everyone loves Jonathan Taylor. I know what you're saying. It's off a down year, but RB one. So you're saying that if somebody has Bijan Robinson as their RB one in dynasty startup, no problem with it. Oh no, not at all. I mean, Zeke was RB one, his rookie year, Saquon. I don't mean like how they finished. I mean, like where they were ranked. Do we have precedent for these type of prospects? Well, it's there's sort of the objective fact that Robinson from this point in time has a longer window than Taylor does. It's just to me when you're when you're if you're specifically trying to win championships, then I question whether the longevity that Robinson gives you is worth uh, what I would consider the trade off of Taylor's raw ability and the upside that that brings. Um, So basically, I trust Taylor to threaten for 30 points in a game any given week more than I do Robinson. But yeah, Robinson, if you had to pick like, well, what about five years from now? Well, yeah, Robinson then for sure. All right. Uh, We're going to conclude that conversation here because Mario and I actually, I didn't even tell Mario this, but we're about to do another video right after this, which is a standalone underdog segment where we're going to talk about should, can Bijan Robinson, how high should he go? All right, everybody. So just remember, if you want to try out Rotowire, go to rotowire.com forward slash pod you get um you know unlock the paywall for two days oh by the way mario i forgot to tell everyone when you go to underdog and if you use our code rwnfl we're also going to give you six months of rotowire for free so if you haven't deposited an underdog i mean come on that you'll get all of the draft kit stuff everything that's guaranteed um follow mario at the posting scout follow me at alan Sislowski. if um if you if you have sirius xm and you love dynasty content search the dynasty hour there's some uh, good banked episodes that we put up there, dynasty-focused content. And everything we talked about, I'll link all of Mario's links in there below. Uh, one last question before we sign off, Mario. What's one piece of advice um, that you want to give people as they're in their rookie draft this year? What's one mistake that even experienced dynasty players tend to make in our rookie dynasty drafts? Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't know, but uh, I would say don't uh at least if you're talking about the quarterbacks in this class this is i guess something i feel safe saying don't confuse uh you know the nfl draft order and the general nfl press coverage tone of the quarterbacks to be analogous to the fantasy value i think this year it's a very extreme case of it with uh the quarterbacks who went ahead of anthony richardson and are perceived as safer uh they they're safer, but they're they're not safe, and they're st- even so, they're still not safe. Anthony Richardson also not safe, but with him, you have upside that the other two can't compare to, and I, th- I think uh, you got to make him the quarterback one this year pretty easily. Yeah, and I think that will eventually be chalk. Right now, it's not. It's you know, there's Mike Clay has of ESPN has Bryce Young as a dynasty uh, quarterback one. I believe Anthony Richardson is like you. In fact, I think there's a case to take in your rookie draft in a superflex format, Anthony Richardson over Bijan. I know most people wouldn't. I'm not saying you should, but I'm saying there is a case to do it. And I would also argue that the floor is pretty high with Richardson too, because even yeah. if he's bad, I mean, he's going to run for sixty yards a game. 45. I mean, it, there's. I don't think this will happen, but if he were a bust at quarterback, he has uh, he has like a coin flips chance at merely being the next Vernon Davis or something too. So, uh, pretty pretty much a low risk quarterback, if you ask me. 
Right, right. And he'll have that QB designation. He'll have that tight end designation, and he can play him at quarterback eventually, right? You'll oh, my say, God. Yeah, can you imagine? All right, everybody, if you have any questions about any of the players we talked about, let us know. Other than that, good luck in your rookie drafts. Let us know how you do on social media. Uh, if you need to know how to get into a startup draft, you can hit us either one of us up. We'll let you know there. And good luck in your rookie leagues. Rookie drafts, I should say, not rookie leagues. Good. I'm going to say it again so I can clean edit it for the podcast, Mario. I screwed that up. Good luck in your rookie drafts. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their ready-hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.